I'm Megan. And I'm Natalie. And this is Body Literacy Babes. We're certified fertility awareness educators. Here in this podcast, we want you to join the conversation. Today, we are joined by another fertility awareness educator, which is fun. And we are joined by Ashley Hartman Annis. We have been wanting to do this episode for a long time and are really excited to welcome her to the podcast. So, Ashley, do you want to just kick us off by introducing yourself and, yeah, letting us know who you are? Hello. Yes. Like you said, fertility awareness educator. I have been teaching for about seven years, eight years, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm also a full-spectrum doula, so I attend births and abortions and miscarriages and support pregnant humans with their process around that experience. And I also make zines, which I consider to be part of my identity. Um, I also got a button maker recently, which also feels like part of my identity now. I'm a button maker (laughs) and a fertility awareness educator. (laughs) I love that. I actually received one of your zines probably three years ago. We did a little exchange and I just love the, like you do all these original drawings that are so amazing and so cute. And I feel like connecting with you as like one of the first fertility awareness educators that I was aware of in like the world of online educators when I was first starting. And now you have like seven years of experience as an educator. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective as the years have gone on about kind of what fertility awareness means to you and how that's shifted. But maybe you could just, yeah, start us out with with that, with your favorite part about being a fam educator and the most challenging part. Great question. Let's start with my least favorite part of being a fam educator is the business side of things. I really am the worst at advertising and managing a business. I'm not a business owner. I'm a teacher and I'm a doula and I, I don't know how to do those kinds of things. So I hate that piece of it. Otherwise, all the rest of it, I love. I love getting to meet humans where they're at on their reproductive journeys. I love hearing people's stories and being part of their lives, even for just these little tiny snippets of time. I love the aha moments when I'm explaining cervical fluid or how long sperm lives or how fertilization happens. And you see people make these connections in their brains And it's really special. And it's also so frustrating that I'm the first person who's explained some of these things to folks. But I do feel really honored, you know, to be able to to give that information to folks in ways that feels accessible and exciting and inclusive. So yeah, I love teaching too. And I love I love making the zines and I love futzing with my curriculum and the order in which I teach things and the visuals that I use. It's like a constant process of editing and revamping and rethinking and that's it's fun to me. And it's also 
I'm like endlessly perfectionisty about things too. So sometimes I have to <laughs> make myself stop and step away. But it is really exciting to continue to learn myself and to weave new things into my curriculum and my teaching. It's a good gig. I remember a few years ago, Ash, we also, I think we had a, a chat on Zoom or something. Mm-hmm. And like Nat received one of your zines, I think you had sent me a couple of cloth pads in exchange for something. I can't even remember at this yeah, point. That sounds right. But I still, I still use them every cycle, and I always think of you. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I also that. cloth pads. <laughs> okay, you do. So is that is that also part of of, of like your business and stuff, or is it kind of like a side, side hobby as well? It's just like a fun thing that sometimes I do. Yeah. <laughs> One of the zines, though, is how to make your own cloth pads. And that was actually that I like that more than actually making the pads and selling them. I like teaching people. I've done a couple like how to make cloth pad workshops. And those are always really fun. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. people are sewing, you know, it takes so long to like stitch a fucking pad. But as people are sewing, then inevitably questions, can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> inevitably, inevitably, questions come up about menstruation and sex and ovulation and bodies and it's this really sweet little like stitch and bitch kind of thing less less bitch and more like education (laughs) but it's uh yeah those are fun absolutely i wish i was into sewing i wish that like sewing was my covid hobby but i just can't i just don't have the patience to create something that I know the first time is going to be really shitty and to see see it through till it gets better (laughs) I would love to hear Ash what your personal relationship with fertility awareness has been like how did you find out about fam and how has that evolved for you over the last seven years yeah so I initially found fertility awareness in 2011 I was newly partnered with someone who is now my long-term partner, but at the time it was very new, and I was also very newly sexually active and was trying to navigate what it means to be in relationship with someone who has sperm in their bodies, and we were using condoms, and that was fine until one broke, and then the next month one, like, slipped off somehow. We just had, like, a string of condom mishaps. And I ended up taking plan B for, I think, like three months in a row, which wasn't ideal for my body and my cycle. And I had a friend who was a nurse and she was like, Ashley, you should find a different birth control than plan B every month because this is not really super sustainable. And so she suggested maybe going on the pill and I didn't want to do that. And she suggested maybe an IUD and I like wasn't really feeling it. So I had never heard of fertility awareness or cycle tracking, but I just felt like in my bones, there had to be some other way of not making a baby. And so I Googled natural birth control like so many of us did and found Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, Garden of Fertility by Katie Singer. There's also a website that now I can't totally remember. It was maybe like the California like Women's Health Center or something, something. They had like a fertility awareness page. 
And I also bought a speculum because I thought that was <laughs> part of the deal. I thought you needed to look at your cervix. So I got this big, huge package of all these things, and I just devoured taking charge of your fertility front to back. And like so many of us had the dual reaction of total amazement and wonder and also rage that no one had ever explained this to me, that I was 23. Three, and I didn't know what my cervix was and I didn't know what cervical fluid was and I didn't understand anything about my menstrual cycle outside of my menstruation. So I started charting with the paper charts in the back of taking charge of your fertility. I didn't have a printer scanner so I just used the teeny tiny little copies <laughs> that are in the back of the book and was seeing what she said I would see in terms of my cervical fluid and my temperatures. I had never been on hormonal birth control, and I have a pretty regular cycle, so I was seeing ovulation patterns and was still feeling a lot of resistance and fear and confusion about if this was even a legit thing since nobody was talking about it since I had never heard of it before I just really super doubted <laughs> even though I was seeing exactly what I was supposed to be seeing so I started looking for someone to support me and you know there's not a ton of us doing this work now but even in 2011 there was even less <laughs> and so I found Sarah Bly who is the owner, the founder of the Well program, and reached out to her and continued doing a little more self-teaching and self-study and ended up applying for her teacher training program. She was just launching it that year and was accepted. And so I did her two-year teacher training program and in a lot of ways like learned how to do this for myself at the same time I was learning how to be a teacher, which in retrospect, I don't know if I would recommend <laughs> doing it that way. That's that was a lot. Um, but yeah, that's that's initially how I got into it was just a lot of self-teaching, a lot of doubt, a lot of confusion, a lot of looking for mentors and teachers and not finding them and then setting out, I guess, to be the teacher that I was looking for. <laughs> and so I'm so glad, you know, that there's this bigger community now of folks who are talking about this because having colleagues and having mentors and people to talk to is is so important. So here I am, still charting, still teaching, always learning. <laughs> I could definitely relate to the confusion around cycle charting and relying on plan B. I feel like I took I took plan B once and I, I wasn't even having sex. Like, I was fully not having sex. Yeah. And so I feel like there's so many people who can relate to that, like, fear of getting pregnant and, like, confusion and doubt and fertility awareness really gives you this, like, just su such an in-depth understanding of your fertility day by day that gives you so much, I'm not for, like, control, but, like, it does give you more control over understanding of your body in a whole new way so I can definitely relate to a lot of what you're sharing Ashley about your journey and 
Yeah, there was also when I first learned fertility awareness, this was five and a half years ago, and all that there was online was the Fertility Friday podcast and the Kindara like community on the app and then the Facebook group, the Fertility Awareness Method of Birth Control Facebook group. And so it's really come a long way since then because, yeah, I feel like back then there's just like not a whole lot online and now there's way more conversations happening with educators and yeah, it's just, I feel like maybe even in the last five years it's come a long way. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that too when you were describing that now and Ash it was like it was like the trifecta like the podcast for Tilly Friday <laughs> the Kandara app and then the Facebook group and yeah all those things are still really good options and kind of places to start and it, it's weird I feel like it feels like it's so long ago now <laughs> and it's really only like a few years ago but you're right in the past five years I think a lot of it has come such a long way. There's been a lot more conversations on different social media platforms now, not just like, because one of the things about the the Facebook group is that it's great because you, you have this big community, but it's only on Facebook and some people aren't there. And so now lately there's been some growth on Instagram and TikTok and, and YouTube and stuff like that. But at the same time, Social media is not everything, <laughs> and sometimes I think people can get even too invested in it, but that's a whole conversation for another day. Mm. To talk about more about how businesses have like evolved and how fertility awareness has evolved, Ash, we'd love to kind of ask you, like in your own work, how has it evolved over the years, and what are some areas that you're just excited to share now? Yeah, I... When I think back to some of my early classes that I taught, I feel a little embarrassed because I think the way that I held this information when I first learned it was very much like, this is the answer, this is what everyone should be doing, this is the best right way to manage your fertility. And since then, I have learned a lot about privilege, a lot about identity, a lot about just different people need different things and really witnessing people moving through their reproductive journeys in all sorts of different ways and and really coming to an understanding that there's no one right way to do birth control, to do pregnancy, to do birth, parenting, whatever. Like, there's so many different paths. So for me, my teaching around fertility awareness, I've tried to create a really safe, inclusive, open, accessible space and to present it as one tool among many tools and try and take some of the the judgment out of it. I don't... I want to be a safe space for folks and I want people to feel like whatever decisions they're making about their bodies, that that's the right decision, that that folks are really the authority on their own body and their own experience. And who am I to say that they should or shouldn't be, you know, doing something? So that's been a really big growth edge for me around inclusivity and also around gender 
and who charts and who has a uterus and who is in relationship with people who have sperm in their body. So really working on language that feels accessible regardless of how folks identify, what kind of body they have, who they're in relationship with. Yeah, I have learned a lot from my students about that. I've learned, I, before I did my fertility awareness teacher training, I was in college and then I dropped out and then I finished in 2019 in gender and women's studies and I learned a lot from that, being in that space again. So the combination of both fertility awareness training and then this very gender inclusive privilege, oppression-focused degree was a really helpful pair for me in, in how I teach and how I hold this information and how I move through the world and my community. So yeah, I think those are some of the biggest things. I also talk a lot more about abortion now. I talk a lot more about condoms. I talk a lot more about withdrawal. I talk a lot more about like all of the different pieces around how people cannot have babies, you know, that that mesh really well with fertility awareness, I think. As you were talking, I was just thinking about how, like, I don't know a lot about doulas. I know a little bit about doulas. From what I know about doulas, it's really centered around informed choice and helping people advocate for their own needs and, and what they want in the birthing experience. And when you were talking about how you teach fertility awareness, it really reminds me of those same principles of, yeah, informed choice. And also, like, people are coming to us as educators with some really sensitive, like, talking about sex and talking about a lot of things that they're not used to talking about, never mind with complete strangers. And creating, like, a non-judgmental safe space is so incredibly valuable and when I talk to my clients about like what was helpful about learning fertility awareness it's it's being able to have that space to actually talk to other people about things that you feel like you can never talk to anyone else about and so I think that's really a lifelong journey for all of us in our own ways about how we can infuse our teaching with who we are and also to create something so much more right than just teaching people the method because that's really what it is like it's it becomes so much more than that in the in the experience yeah no that's a, I mean that's a good point because I think doula work has taught me a lot about how to be the kind of educator that I want to be and honestly like doula work has taught me a lot about how to be the kind of person I want to be how to be the kind of partner or sister or friend <laughs> that I want to be. And it really is that non-judgmental, informed consent. I support you and want to help you navigate whatever it is that you're going through kind of perspective. It's kind of magical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something I wanted to ask was how I want to talk more about gender inclusivity in the world of fam. But first, my question is, around your creativity and expression in the work that you do because I see your creative expression in the way that you teach fam and in the things that you create and you are a creator like with with all the things that you do so do you have like a sense are you aware of do you feel like fertility awareness education and teaching is 
a form of creative expression to you? I love this question. And also, like, my heart is just melting that you just identified me as a, a creator or somebody like that. That's my ultimate thank you, I guess is what I'm saying. That's very kind. Folks who work with me and know me know that spirituality and creativity and sort of bigger picture stuff is is a very big piece of who I am. And I think what I bring to this work, and it's this constant back and forth between like managing a business and paying bills and creating content and whatever. And then on the flip side of it, creating something bigger than me or connecting to, yeah, connecting to something bigger. So I'm just like dancing around this question because I don't really have a super clear answer. I want the things that I do to reflect something more and something bigger and I guess really I'm just saying thank you for saying that I'm gonna hold (laughs) that in my heart later tonight (laughs) I'm also really you know fertility awareness is for those of us who do this work I feel like we really are passionate about it we are so dedicated and so I'm also trying to and I know this is not what this podcast is about but trying to find places in my life where I'm not actually thinking about Mm. fertility awareness a little bit no, I feel like that's applicable because we Megan and I talk a lot about self-care as fertility awareness educators and no, I keep going and tell us what your what your thoughts are about like creating spaces where you aren't thinking or teaching or learning about fam. It's hard. It's hard because I am so passionate about this topic and it does connect to so many other things, right? Like it connects to our health, it connects to our relationships, it connects to the earth, it connects to... So you just see it everywhere when you're doing this work. But it has been important for me, I think, to disconnect sometimes from thinking about these things or, you know, thinking about the science or thinking about the studies or thinking about the most effective way to relay information. So, you know, I don't want to buy into like a commodified version of self-care either. Like I can just spend all this money and that equals self-care. I'm trying to figure out gentle, simple, sustainable ways of taking care of myself. My partner and I just bought a house in the middle of the pandemic last year and I have this beautiful backyard now that I've like never had before and so lately I've just been going into the backyard and I'll like pick a flower and look at it very very close and you know just spend time turning my brain off or turning it way way down. Yeah I'm I'm not the best at this though this is still I'm working on it I think that's why we call it a self-care practice though because like you were saying before about how like the fertility awareness side of of your business is where you're passionate about but then the business side is tricky then it's like okay but how do I just completely step back from all of this to just unwind my brain and kind of create for ourselves like a, a bit of like a blank slate because, you know, we were talking a little bit more about how these areas of fam are, are spreading, which is great and really exciting. But then at the same time, it's like there's almost more of a pressure to do it all and do everything across every social media platform and do it all perfectly. And 
we would love to create these perfect offerings for people (laughs) and that's like a lot of pressure and I'm sure a lot of people can just relate to this conversation and I, I think that you prioritizing that for yourself and just exploring that for yourself and wanting to create space away from your business away from like you said the the high efficacy and the all the the rules and guidelines and stuff those topics can be really exciting but like just as human beings we need time to not be working (laughs) and even when the thing that we're really passionate about is our work still we need that time So I really just applaud that. I totally support you in that. I think you should keep going. Go frolic in your backyard. Go lay in the sun. (laughs) You know, get extra sleep. All that good stuff. And it's different for everyone. And it is a practice. So I just, I love that you're talking about that because I think that in a world where it's amazing how we can all connect so much more at the same time, that can be really overwhelming for people to do that continuously. So we need that that private time to just unwind and and really rest. Yeah, there's infinite things to learn and consume. And I want to learn all the things. And also, yeah, it's there has to be time for integration too, right? Like you have to turn your brain off in order to be able to take it. It's like it's like the menstrual cycle, right? Like we, we talk about this all the time where during menstruation, you have to shed, you have to release, you have to let go. It's built into our system, but it's not built into our culture, right? And so we have to be really intentional about taking that space. And it's not always straightforward. And I feel super privileged in that I do work for myself and I can set my own schedule and I do you know I'm financially okay most of the time and that you know I have I have these kinds of support systems that I'm even able to have this conversation around like what does self-care really look and feel like to me I know that for a lot of people that's it's a lot this is a lot more complicated of a conversation because of their job or their family or their situation or whatever so it's just yeah it's a lot (laughs) I'd love to hear about your approach to teaching when it comes to gender inclusivity because you you are one of the people that I go to or refer people out to because I I try to for the most part be gender inclusive in in my teaching but I know I have a long way to go and it's not my area of expertise and I'm still learning and you've done a lot of work to make your materials and your content and the way that you teach be inclusive or work towards inclusivity and to acknowledge that There's a whole spectrum of people who can use fertility awareness and that not everyone will identify as a woman, as a cis woman. So I'd love to hear that part of it, like how you approach it. And I'm also curious about your sense of gender inclusivity in the world of fertility awareness, because I feel like there's, and maybe this is just kind of our culture right now, there's like two camps of people and it's very divisive and it's very charged and it's either you're for or against and so yeah I would just be curious to kind of hear what your sense has been or maybe what your experience has been kind of navigating that in the world of fertility awareness that's largely rooted in catholic white cisgendered heteronormative cultures yeah a lot of thoughts around this topic the first one being like 
so much frustration that I am the person that, or at least one of the people I think that that people talk about or come to or ask questions around gender inclusivity because I am a cis woman, right? Like I am a cis, straight, passing, white woman. And the fact that there's not more just diversity in the fertility awareness teaching world where there are more than just like, like I'm also still very much learning. I'm like, I definitely don't have it all together in that area so gosh I would just love to see more teacher training programs that include gender inclusivity just as a foundation and people who are having those conversations and teaching in those ways because there's still a lot of stuff that I would like to learn I don't think I'm doing it perfectly either and yeah you're right it does feel like either you're trying to be gender inclusive or like you're very much not and that is tricky for me. I wonder like for someone who is a fertility awareness educator and they're like tell me Ashley like why is it important to think about inclusivity when it comes to gender and like why is this something that I should think about when I'm developing my course or when I'm thinking about the language that I use like why should I care? Sure I frequently come back to this concept in reproductive justice, which is this idea that you center the needs of the most marginalized folks and everybody wins, right? Like if the, if the people whose identities that are most marginalized are getting their needs met, then it's going to create a world in which everybody's needs are met. So for me, when I'm teaching fertility awareness, thinking about the folks who are most at the margins, who are most left out, who are most disregarded and forgotten. Part of that for me is gender. Part of it is also race, which is a whole other conversation, <laughs> but part of it's gender. And so really centering those identities, those bodies, those experiences, the, that kind of language. For me, and typically the folks that I work with, cis women, at least the, the folks that I work with, don't feel left out when I'm saying people who have a uterus or people who menstruate because that's also them right and it's also including people who don't identify as women so yeah that that's I try and create classes and content and move through the world as much as I can with that in mind like if I'm taking care of the people who are most at the margins then that's going to include everybody else along the way too hmm No, I just, like, love how you put that. It makes so much sense to me, and yet it's not something I could put into words. This brings to mind, we got a review once on the podcast mentioning, I can't stomach people who say people who menstruate. Like, as a woman, I come to a podcast about fertility, you know, and I don't expect to be dehumanized. And I was like, what? (laughs) And just reading it, I was like... I just don't understand how you can type that review and think that's okay to press enter on because like we've just established saying people who menstruate, people who people who ovulate, people who chart, charters, people with uteruses, these are all words that do include women and everyone else <laughs> on the spectrum. And so I just seeing stuff like that it it really irks me. And I sometimes get DMs like that too on Instagram. And 
I'm really friendly with the block button as well <laughs> because it just I don't I don't get that willingness to just go and tear other people down about something that really is not affecting you. <laughs> and so yeah, it just I think it kind of maybe just fits into the conversation as we're just talking about the language because that's something that we've been trying to do on the pod, on the pod for a while now and um to yeah, to have it called out like that in a way that just belittles it and belittles those people's experiences. It's not cool. <laughs> and I, we don't stand for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you with the, the irked feelings and the confusion and the, yeah, all the things. And I, at my best, when I'm able to slow myself down... <laughs> And really sit with those kinds of messages or those kinds of reviews, which I have also gotten. I, <laughs> when I'm at my best, I am able to see those folks as, like, it's a threat, right? Like, they're feeling threatened by something and they're having a reaction. And the thing that they're feeling threatened by isn't actually a threat to them and their body and their identity, but something about the way that they've grown up or what they've been taught or how they understand the world. Like they're feeling threatened and so they're putting up some sort of barrier. They're having some sort of like reaction. Yeah, it's tough. I totally get what you mean though about people kind of feeling that threat because interestingly that's actually what chronic pain is all about is your your brain can perceive innocuous normal things as a threat to the body which then literally causes that fight or flight response which then for some people can manifest as pain and in this person maybe it manifested as typing a review <laughs> but you're right when you put it that way that's actually very true and I think it actually makes a lot of sense because ultimately, you know, just continuing to talk about these things and and use these terms that are more inclusive is so important. And along the way, it's important to realize that, like you said before, now, like people maybe at a point before they've kind of opened up their hearts and minds to other people's experiences and other people's lives and the way that they're going through life. And they just haven't gotten to that point yet of kind of opening up and maybe considering things and being challenged, I guess, and being able to approach that in a way that feels safe to them. That makes a lot of sense. And I kind of just feel like, you know, if that, if you're not there, if you're not along for this gender inclusive ride with me in my class, there are so many other teachers <laughs> you could go study with. And that has been hard for me. Like, that has been a threat for me, I think, too, is having people say, like, well, you're not meeting my needs. And then as somebody who's trying to, you know, run a business or do a thing and please everyone, then I go, oh, I'm doing something wrong. But instead, just being like, no, I am doing this the way that I think it needs to be done. And if we, if that doesn't work for you, you don't have to work with me. And that's been really freeing too, I think. Yeah, I think similarly to how I'm really, really friendly with the block button. It's kind of similar where, yeah, no, you're right. It's just that not every teacher is going to be the right match for every client, and that's okay. And that's why we need more diversity and more people in this field to bring their experiences and bring their perspectives and continue to expand the work so that we can ultimately 
serve more people and just help other people get to a place where they do feel comfortable and empowered in their own fertility, however that looks for them, and finding someone with with whom they fit and vibe really well. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And hopefully we just get to a world someday where gender inclusivity and racism and patriarchy and capitalism is just like it's all taken Mm. care right like that's Mm -hmm. the end goal ultimately Mm. with all of this anyway but in the meantime if it doesn't jive with you go work with someone else you were saying ashley that as we know there really isn't a whole lot of education educators who prioritize gender inclusivity but what are some of the resources that do exist around this like where are some places that people could learn from if they're trying to be more inclusive yeah so there is a german artist her website is vielma it's like v-i-e-l-m-a and she makes gender inclusive sex ed materials she has an amazing facebook she might be on Instagram, I'm not, so I don't know. But she is incredible, especially with regards to genitalia and including intersex variations in the spectrum of sex. Lots of really cool resources there that you can purchase as teaching material and also just access through the social media. That's a really good one. Let me send you... Let me send you something. Yeah, that sounds good. We can kind of make a list in the in the show notes of some resources. I know that there's a bunch on Instagram. I am not remembering their their exact handles off the top of my head though. So another thing that we can compile for the show notes show notes, which is totally fine. Do y'all know Sexplanations on YouTube no. with Dr. Doe? Okay, that's another really great resource that just came to mind. And that's not just fertility awareness related that's like all sexuality stuff but she's amazing and also okay so now if you are coming to me scarletine do you know that website mostly for it's like geared towards teens but i will learn stuff from them and it's all very gender inclusive and accessible and non-judgmental that's another good one those are three really great ones though I think I've come across Scarletine as a resource, too. But, yeah, there's so much here to, like, get into if you, like, have an afternoon just to, like, go through those articles. It's really cool. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover or mention? Anything you want listeners to know from your heart to their hearts? So, locally, I'm my big project right now is putting together an abortion doula network collective that feels really that work is really important to me so thinking about ways to support folks through that experience and also just to destigmatize it and celebrate it as an option so that you know that's more madison based other than that i just launched a patreon which feels like a thing yeah, tell and, us about that. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's I pick a topic every month. June was the contraceptive spectrum. So we talked about how different methods of contraception can either prevent fertilization 
or prevent implantation or maybe delay ovulation and at what different points in the cycle those things might work or not work. I'm making a little mini zine every month on the topic and then I do a live Q&A and then I have a set of journaling prompts. All my work is on sliding skills too so all the tiers get the same things. But every month I'm just going to pick a topic, something related to bodies, sex, fertility, babies, whatever, and make a zine and have a, a Q&A. So next July is going to be expansive anatomy. So we're going to talk about intersex variations and how we all start with the same parts. They just form in different ways depending on what chromosomes or hormones you have or don't have or how your body responds to those things. And from there, I don't know what the topics are going to be, so I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> that sounds incredible. And also, this episode will come out at the end of June. So if folks want to find you or sign up for this session, how can they do that? Great question. I am a grandma when it comes to social media. <laughs> so I have a Facebook that I don't do too much with, so don't try and look for me there because I'm probably not. I have a website, ashleyhartmanannis.com, and uh, the Patreon is like whatever the Patreon, patreon.com slash, I think it's just Ashley Hartmanannis. I don't know. If you type my name into whatever search engine, these things will probably come up in some order. We can link it. If you Google Ashley Hartmanannis, you'll probably find everything you need. Well, thanks so much, Ashley, for joining us. We had such a great chat with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, I love and this. what were we gonna say, Megan? I was just gonna say I love it. Thank you for coming, and we'll definitely get together links for people. So if you're listening to this, just go ahead and check out the show notes, or like we said, just Google stuff, and it'll it will come up. <laughs> <laughs> just type stuff into Google, and it'll magically populate with Ashley Hartman Anis's Patreon. <laughs> Until okay. next time, folks, body mm -hmm. literacy for everyone, forever.